Hello there, listeners, and welcome to Australian Anesthesia, a podcast about all things relevant to anesthesia in Australia. I'm Susie New, President of the Australian Society of Anesthetists. In today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Mark Sinclair, Chair of our Economics Advisory Committee, about Medicare audits and MBS item number 20170. If you're an ASA member and you want the tips for using item number 20170, then I suggest you listen to this podcast available on the ASA website in the members only section, asa.org.au. I'll put a link in the show notes and you're looking for episode number 19. All right. Hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so much for recording this podcast with me. You really don't need any introduction, do you? You are the masterminds behind that beloved RVG. You chair the committee that contributes to it. You're the editor-in-chief for it. And I don't think I know anyone who can rattle off the MBS item numbers as quickly as you can. Evil mastermind, perhaps, that's it. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us again tonight. I wanted to talk tonight about Medicare audits because I know we've been contacted by some members recently. And I think this is one of the functions and roles that the ASA provides that a lot of members don't know about. So I thought, first of all, could you describe what happens from our end in terms of a Medicare audit? Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, um, uh, of course, myself, uh, Andrew McKay, my predecessor in this role of chair of EAC, for many years we've met regularly, perhaps every two or three years or so, with members of the Medicare compliance people. I think they call themselves these days the Compliance Operations Branch, or COB, within the Department of Health. Uh, Because um, fairly, and then I think it's perfectly reasonable, um, Medicare and the Department of Health and the COB uh, have a very important responsibility to make sure that Medicare funds are spent appropriately and that there's no incorrect application of, of basically taxpayers' money, your money, my money. Uh, Medicare funding should be provided for for, for appropriate services, but, um, of course, um, we don't want to see errors and misapplication of Medicare funding, and we quite support that. And we, 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 we really do uh, have a positive vibe about meeting with these people on a regular basis because they come in as non-clinicians, they simply look at the statistics of Medicare planning patterns, and they don't always understand why there might be some unusual or outlier patterns for Medicare claims. And so sitting down and meeting with us uh, on, on a reasonably regular basis it can avoid the unnecessary stress and expense of people being put through Medicare audits when there's a perfectly simple explanation. A classic example would be one, one anesthetist I know was approached some years ago because every anesthetic he did had an emergency anesthetic modifier. And so Medicare approached him saying, you are a number one outlier for the emergency anesthesia items. And he said, that's because it's the only private anesthetic work I do. I work full-time in the public system. I have an orthopedic surgeon trauma who's, who's a mate of mine from school days and I provide all these after-hours services and that's the only private work I do. <laughs> so, of course, every, virtually every time it's an emergency for a trauma. Uh, so things like that can be easily explained. Um, but every now and then we do get patterns of Medicare claims that aren't so easily explained and that's when Medicare will approach um, anaesthetists for an explanation which usually involves some sort of proof by the anaesthetist that those services were provided and that they were appropriate services. Um, and that can be quite tricky and quite stressful for the anaesthetists involved. 
Um, as some members will be aware, we've occasionally had Medicare compliance people talk at our national conferences on you know, one of our EAC private practice sessions. And of course, it always comes across as a very fair and reasonable approach. And they tell us, we are fully aware that the vast majority of Medicare claiming errors are not deliberate. They're simply a misunderstanding on the part of the doctor involved, didn't quite understand the rules. Um, maybe some inappropriate funding was, was spent, but maybe not much, and they understand that. It's only the very tip of the uh, apex where there are a very small number of doctors deliberately defrauding the system, and they understand that. But unfortunately, when it comes to the letters they send out to anaesthetists who are outliers for certain claim patterns, uh, the letters say anything but. It's often, and I've, I've repeatedly tried over the years to get the uh, COB people to temper their language when it comes to those letters because um, they are really only asking for an explanation. But the way it comes across is they're basically, we, we have a need to sometimes ringing us up almost in tears, believing they're being accused of fraud, which obviously for a doctor is a huge thing. And so what happens then, of course, is that the members will contact us. And as you've identified um, within the last few weeks or so, just during August, September, we've had a series of anaesthetists being approached to explain why they have, um, in some cases, many hundreds of anaesthesia claims for anaesthesia Medicare items where there is no surgical item being claimed. Um, members are probably aware that um, one of the rules of Medicare when it comes to anaesthesia is that every anaesthesia claim must be for a, an eligible, in inverted commas, surgical service. And an eligible surgical service is usually one represented by an MBS item in the surgical section, which has the term ANAES in the descriptor. So it describes the operation, inguinal hernia repair, and at the end of that descriptor, it puts in brackets ANAES, meaning that that item, that surgical item, can be claimed in conjunction with an anaesthetic item. Uh, unfortunately, we had some anaesthetists who, we, when Medicare showed me this data, it didn't occur to me at the time what might be happening, but I simply, obviously I couldn't explain it, why one anaesthetist would have 600 claims in one year not matched by a surgical item. But of course, as we now know, there was a reasonable explanation for that. I think that's a really important thing to point out about the ASA and how we've been able to offer some real support to people. You don't know if you are ever going to get audited and it can be a very stressful thing. And I think it's great when members know to call us when they receive one of those not very friendly letters because we're able to provide some support there. We've had a lot of experience in terms of dealing with the department on these things. And I think also the other important point that you made earlier is they're often looking for what is the reasonable billing that your peer would do. And the, the department don't have a set of peers of anaesthetists, but they do have our phone number and they do have a very good relationship with you, Andrew Mulcahy, other people who've been on EAC and, and been EAC chairs. So they do often come to the ASA and look to see whether this is a reasonable billing pattern that a peer would do. Is that is that what your experience has been, Matt? They do indeed. And um, uh, the most recent meeting, of course, we had uh, under Zoom conditions, of course, being COVID was uh, back about April this year, where I met uh, with um, uh, representatives of the Department of Health and the COB, uh, going through a number of um, uh, issues uh, where they had concerns, in inverted commas, about billing patterns by anaesthetists. Once again, many of these concerns I was able to allay just by explaining what was going on. For example, some anaesthetists having a very small number of um, anaesthesia claims with no matching surgical claim. Uh, we've found a, a couple of typical examples there where, for example, the, the, the case might be returned to theatre for a complication and the surgeon doesn't want to bill a second time for a complication of the first operation. But the anaesthetist, there might be a different anaesthetist the first operation most certainly does bill. Uh, and so, but um, once again, it was... Uh, 
handfuls of claims that could be understandable. But unfortunately, in some cases, we've had about five or six of these. If no contact us, there were many hundreds of such claims. Um, and so, yeah, they do, um, while well, you're correct, they, they, they don't generally have much in the way of anesthesia input in, within their own department. They are certainly prepared to come to us and ask us for, their, for our assistance, which is a good thing. And that's a great relationship that we've built over years and that we continue to foster, thanks to the hard work of people like yourself. Why not to us global work? Um, and of course, um, we, as you've correctly identified, Susie, we, we do want members to contact us the minute they get one of these audit letters and, of course, inform their MDO too. It's always important to inform the MDO of anything that might arise with legal consequences. But uh, what we certainly don't recommend they do is ring the person that writes the letter because inevitably what's happened there is that the distress level of the initiatives goes up threefold because they're dealing with... Uh, a Medicare um, official who has really little or no clinical knowledge and simply follows a pre-prepared line of rules um, and we've got an incident being told they're going to have to pay back all the money, in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, simply from a discussion with a, 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 um, a Medicare official that probably doesn't fully understand what's going on. And so that uh, obviously raises the stress levels even more. So we recommend immediate contact with us and your MDO and don't call the Medicare people without calling us first because the Medicare folks, as I've identified in other podcasts, the, the health bureaucrats, they do not have the same approach, the logical thinking methods that we do when it comes to clinical medicine. They, they are administrators, they are paper pushers, and they look at numbers and rules and regulations. They don't have a clinical knowledge to sort of judge what's good and what's not. So we strongly recommend not trying to ring them up and justify your claim patterns to those people. Come, come to us first. Exactly. Come to us and we can handle those negotiations. It really well put there, Mark. I wanted to now move into some of our member-only content. Just a little flag for people who are not members. We're going to be discussing item numbers 20170. So if you use those item numbers, I really suggest you come and listen to the rest of this podcast behind the membership access area on the website. Anything else, Mark, that you would like to add about Medicare audits that we haven't covered? No, I think we've covered it all pretty well. Uh, members may well have some. Unfortunately, I guess in a podcast, members don't have the opportunity to ask questions, do they? But please do, if you have any questions about anything we've discussed tonight. Um, Jacinta, Victor John and Patrick Gifford, our policy team at the ASA, uh, await your um, your emails on policy at asa.org.au. Uh, any queries you have about anything to do with the Medicare system, private health insurance items, telehealth, uh, please do send that in. Uh, Patrick and Jacinta um, uh, archive all queries, send it out to the appropriate committees and respond to the members on behalf of those committees. And it is all done de-identified. Uh, we don't ask you but the um, – obviously, you'll identify yourself to Jacinta and Patrick, but the, the queries go out to the committees de-identified. So your you, identity is quite safe. That's a really good point there, Mark. So any questions about any of those issues that you would like to ask, then send them into, as Mark said, policy at asa.org.au and they'll be sent out in a de-identified manner. If you get also a letter from Medicare to say that you've been subject to an audit, again, definitely do get in contact with us as well as your MDO. And there's also a page on the ASA forum. So if people want to, to discuss, it won't be de-identified. There is an MBS or RVG items FAQ. And also we will sometimes be posting de-identified five queries that we do get from members where we think the answer would be useful for the general membership, we do also post them into the FAQs. So if people want to stay up to date, you can subscribe to the ASA forum and get updates for whenever any new information is added. 
And if you just want to start up a chain of a certain issue, um, any member at any time is welcome to go on the forum and start up their own uh, question and answer chain. Exactly. We love hearing from you, don't we? That's what we're here for. Oh, well, thank you, Mark. Thank you once again. I love the way that you can just reel off all those item numbers and impress with all the hard work often going on behind the scenes that members can't see and all the meetings that you are involved with and the relationships that we've built with the department. That's been something that started well before my time and hopefully will continue well after my time in this role. Um, And it's due to the hard work of people like yourself, Mark. So thank you once again. Oh, thank you, Susie, for, uh, for your leadership as our president through these difficult times. And um, and thanks for the opportunity to get on to the uh, uh, webcasts and podcasts and everything else, uh, casts, uh, to get this stuff out to the members because it's a very important uh, uh, issue. We're, we're not here just to have meetings with each other. We're here to serve the members. And so um, please uh, do utilise our, our services. We're always keen to help. Lovely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Mark. Okay, thanks, Susie. Thanks again. I hope you found that useful. And just to recap that if you have received a letter from Medicare that you are being audited for item number 20170, then we invite you to contact us, whether you are a member or not. The best contact will be policy at asa.org.au. We are taking this back to the Department of Health and we also are seeking legal opinion and we are happy to hear from people, whether you are members or not, over the use of this item number. So I hope that's not happening to you, but if it is, please do get in contact with us. This podcast was produced by the Australian Society of Anaesthetists. More podcasts can be found on the ASA website, asa.org.au. Music was the 12 Dance, part one by Dan, which can be found on the Free Music Archive website. We hope you enjoyed listening.